if you haven't signed up, please sign up. We want, we want to hear your testimony. Uh, Pastor You guys are lucky to hear me today, right? You guys came to church just to hear me today. Well, I did not grow up with a dad in the ministry. I didn't. I was the ABC kid growing up. Yeah, I watched a lot of sports, but also ABC stands for anything but church. Yes. So, 41 years ago, Jesus sent me an angel. My wife, Teresa. beautiful lady. I love her. But um, she came into my life. We did the family thing. We had two lovely girls. And in 1986, um, she started going back to church with the two girls. And of course, I was the ABC guy. Anything but church. Like I said, I watched a lot of sports. Mowed the yard even, you know, on Sunday. Church was not on my mind, even when she was going to church with the two girls. She, um, <clears throat> she stopped going to church uh, between 1986, 1996. We lost both our dads in that time. And then one Sunday morning, I asked her, I said, how come you're not going to church? She goes, well, she was tired of going to church by herself. That hurt. That worked on me. And finally in 1999, December, last week of the year, I came to this church by myself. She stayed home. following two weeks she came with me and uh, actually I was the answer to her prayer. Two weeks later I received Jesus Christ right here and took my holy bath right up there. And then she said she prayed for me for 14 years total. So I was an answered prayer. I never uh, stopped Coming to church or loving God after that. Now, thank you. Amen, Cecil. Wow, what a testimony, huh? Praise God for good wives. <laughs> All right, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Cecil, and thank you, David, for leading us in song, and uh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, my, um, my wife, uh, Jean, who is my stepdaughter now, because I'm married to Tess, my, uh, my, my wife's daughter, Jean, who is my stepdaughter, 
we're newly married, you know, that's why we're having that. <laughs> anyway, she uh, really enjoyed it. She really enjoyed it. She, uh, she said last week when she came, um, there were so many people that greeted her in the lobby, giving her a hug, and just showing the love of Christ, you know, and she really enjoyed the service, and she really enjoyed the music, uh, Jody and Casey, and, uh, and oh, yeah, everybody, you guys did a great job, and so... Uh, thank you so much for your ministry. She, they're planning to be coming back, and I uh, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Um, praise the Lord. And uh, Smitty asked for a prayer this morning uh, uh, on a little serious note. Uh, his daughter, remember, who passed, she, they're going to have a, a service on the 18th. So he's going to go to L.A., and they're going to have a service down there. So uh, Smitty asked for prayer for that. So let me, go, let me go ahead and have us pray. Let's pray for Smitty. And, Dear Lord, we pray for Smitty and the service they're going to have on the 18th, Lord, uh, in L and uh, down in Huntington uh, Beach, Lord. And we just pray that you bless the service, Lord. Let it be a witness to Jesus. Let, let it be a witness to Jesus, Lord. And give comfort to Smitty. Give comfort to the family, Lord. Uh, please touch him by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and give comfort. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. So, well, this morning I want to talk about, begin to talk about the, the most, the most replicated, the most recognized symbol in the world, and uh, it's right behind me here. Okay, in our beautiful building, this beautiful cross that uh, here at Calvary Baptist. You know, talk about, talk about uh, uh, buildings. Talk about church buildings. I had an opportunity to have lunch this week with uh, our director of missions, uh, Scott Bird, and he told me that Calvary Baptist Church Modesto is the nicest building in the entire association, Southern Baptist Association. Isn't that nice to hear? Amen. Amen. He says the nicest building. So, I, and I want to give a special shout out of thanks to uh, Joe. Where's Joe? Joe and Lupe for the work that you do. Uh, keeping it good, keeping it looking good. <laughs> Amen. Both inside and out, and, and the work that you oversee. I know there's others involved as well, and uh, that you oversee in, in keeping things looking so good. But you know, most churches do have crosses, and uh, you know, cross is is, is a um, spiritual. You know, it appears in spiritual settings. The churches, Bibles, prayer books, uh, you know, um, what do you call the glass, special glass? What do you call that again? Stained glass. <laughs> Thank you. My brain is not working all the way. Stained glass. But, uh, you know, it's also popular in the secular world, the cross. I mean, people in the general public wear it for jewelry. People have it as tattoos. People, people, some people have it on their car window for a, a, a mirror for a good luck charm, <laughs> you know. People don't always understand the full meaning of the cross. You see, in, in Roman times, uh, the cross was made out of two sturdy but crude wooden beams. And uh, uh, the cross is where Jesus died for us. And that's the central message, isn't it, of the Christian faith. We preach Christ crucified. See, that's the center of, of, of the message of what we preach. Jesus d was lifted up on the cross like a magnet 
to draw people to himself. John 12, 32. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. Jesus was lifted up on the cross outside the walls of Jerusalem on a rocky western hill called Golgotha. And that means the place of the skull. In Latin, the word is Calvary, Mount Calvary. Jesus died on Mount Calvary. Uh, it, was a, it was a mountain that overlooked the city. Jesus died, uh, was lifted up on the cross, nailed to the cross, and, and lifted up with ropes as he hung there and sacrificed his life on a peace mission for mankind. Jesus was on a peace mission for those without hope and those without peace. I'd like to have us read right now, if you would, with me, if you have a Bible. Uh, and I think it's going to be up on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, we're going to read verses 11 through 22. So if, you, if you're able and willing, if you'll stand with me. Thank you. You've all, many of you are already standing. And uh, let me go ahead and read together. We'll read this. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. Okay. Give me a second to get there. Okay. And it says this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcised, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with all its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you, who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises and to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Jesus came from heaven to hear. Jesus came to bring peace through the cross. He came, he came 
to bring peace through the cross. He came from heaven to heal the separations that we've inflicted upon ourselves. He came to bring redemption, reconciliation, and reunion. Christ came to bring peace, to counteract the hostility in the hearts of man that's so evident in our world. Amen. The hostility. He came to bring peace, and he came to bring it. First of all, he came, he came to bring peace with one another. He came, bring, he came, to bring pre, came to bring peace with one another. He came to bring peace with one another. Now, in the scripture we just read, there were two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles were people who were not Jews. That's, that's about it. You had two categories of people. That, uh, that the Jews uh, considered, they considered themselves the, the Jews, the chosen people, and the Gentiles, uh, basically the unchosen. <laughs> okay, I'm talking about uh, Old Testament here. But it carried on into the New Testament. Now the Gentiles, they were, Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. This was a Gentile church with Jews in it as well. And so there was some division in there. There were some boundaries. There were some barriers. And Paul is writing now about that situation in verse 11, and he's writing to the Gentiles. Let's read. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcised. Okay, Paul is writing to the Gentiles. Rob, can you bring my water? Do I have it there? He's writing to the Gentiles, and he's calling themselves, he calls them the uncircumcised. Now, the thing is, the Gentiles, and he goes on in the next verse, thank you, love. He goes on in the next verse to talk about the fact that the Gentiles, you were, you were not, they were not the chosen people. They were not with God. They didn't have the hope of God, and they didn't have God in their lives. Because in the Old Testament, the Jews were the chosen people. The Jews were the covenant people. God had made a covenant with the Jews. That's a covenant is a, a promise uh, uh, agreement. They were the people God revealed his word to, including the Ten Commandments. They were the people that God showed specifically how he wanted to be worshipped. And in that worship, there were sacrificial laws, there were sacrificial commands and laws and rules. And part of that, the mark of the, of the covenant was circumcision, okay? That was the mark. They identified themselves as the chosen people of God because they were the circumcised, okay? They were the circumcised, similar to baptism for the Christian. Circumcision is how they identify themselves as God-chosen people. For the Christian, baptism is a, a way of identifying true believers, okay? True believers in Christ. It's been said baptism is like a wedding ring. Talk about your good wife, you know? It's a symbol of our commitment, a sign of our union, our marriage, if you will, with Jesus Christ. And so the Jews had this mark, uh, but here's the thing. They got, they got a little bit arrogant about this because they said, we're the circumcised, you're the uncircumcised. <laughs> okay? It was kind of like a name-calling thing. Like, you know, if you want to put somebody down, you call them a name. Anybody ever done that? Don't answer that. <laughs> but there was a prejudice. There was a prejudice. There was a deep-seated prejudice between the Jews and the Gentiles. 
And you know what? Prejudice builds walls. Every time you're prejudiced, prejudice comes from a, a, a heart of arrogance, a, a pr pride, okay? And it builds walls between people, divisions. That's what Jesus came to, to destroy. He came to bring peace to one another, destroying the barriers that divide. Thank God. He came to destroy those barriers, those divisions between peoples. Let's take a look. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. It's the hostility that they had toward each other that Jesus came to, to tear down. Now, the thing is, Apostle Paul, he's trying to get them to, to, to live in harmony. He's encouraging them. Though they, they, are, they, they are different in many ways, they are one in Christ, and he's trying to encourage them to live as one. When he talked about this dividing wall, he could, he could, he could well have been thinking about the literal wall in the temple. You see, in the Jerusalem temple, there was a wall that divided the Gentiles. There was a court of the Gentiles. And then there was a wall the Gentiles could not pass. And that's where the Jews were allowed to go into the, uh, into the temple proper, they called it. It was a sanctuary that was walled around. And it had a sign. It had a sign on an inscription upon that sign. It said this. It said, no foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Talk about a do not enter sign. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, that's the sign. That's the sign the Apostle Paul, incidentally, the wall, the Apostle Paul was led to his imprisonment. Because Acts 21, 29 tells us he was falsely accused once of bringing a Gentile into the Jewish area that was for Jews only. Okay, this was what the whole controversy, this is why he was put in jail. This is why he went to trial. And so he could well be thinking about this wall of division when he says that Christ came to destroy the wall of hostility. It was a literal wall. He came to bring peace. With one another. Now, prejudice from pride. Prejudice comes from a heart of pride. You know, but the love of Christ comes from a heart of humility. Pride builds walls that divide. Humility builds bridges that unite. Jesus went to the cross in a spirit of humility, in a mind of humility. Philippians chapter 2 tells us all about it. Philippians chapter 2 tells us what was in Jesus' mind when he went to the cross. And then it tells us, I'm going to read from it in just a moment. And it tells us that's the mind you and I are to have. It says to have the mind of Christ Jesus. You say, how, Larry, how am I supposed to do that? How do I have a heart of Christ? How do I have a heart of humility? Well, it begins with verse Three. We're in Philippians 2. And in verse 3, he says, it says this. Do nothing 
from selfishness or conceit. In other words, don't be conceited. Don't be looking down on anybody. And it continues. But in all humility, count others as better than yourselves. Another translation says, as more important than yourselves. Why? Why? Because when you do that, you are are putting on the mind of Christ. Listen to what it says, the very next verse. It says, let no man uh, look to his own interests only, but also to the interests of others. See, when you do that, you're putting on the mind of Christ. You're following his example. You're thinking of the interests of others. That's humility. That brings unity. And that is the mind that's in the mind. That's the mind of Jesus Christ. He came to tear down those walls. He came to suffer on the cross, to suffer the shame in humility. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. A symbol of, an emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Jesus endured the suffering and the shame and humiliation for us. On the cross, that was was what was in his mind He loved us that much. So Jesus came to bring peace with one another, destroying the barriers that divide and abolishing the law with its commands. Verse 15. Verse 15. It says, By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus Making peace. Jesus, this is this law that's being abolished here. Is, this is not talking about the moral law. This is not talking about the Ten Commandments. The moral laws of God are eternal. They're unchanging. The laws that are being discussed here are the law, sacrificial laws, ceremonial laws, like circumcision. Okay? These are the old laws that were unique to the Jews. And a matter of fact, they thought, you know, because they were Jews, they were automatically pure. And because they kept these laws and regulations like circumcision, they were automatically forgiven. But in reality, we're all sinners, amen? And we all need Christ's forgiveness, and it only comes through the blood. The blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to pardon and sanctify me. It's only through the blood. It's only through the blood that we can receive forgiveness, that we can receive cleansing. And it's through faith alone in Christ alone. You know, this, ver- this, this chapter has in it the all-important uh, scripture. Matter of fact, I, this is one of the most important scriptures, especially when you're dealing with cults and other things like that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. All-important scripture on how to get saved. And it's not by works. And it's not by keeping the uh, ceremonial laws. It, it, by grace are you saved through 
faith. And it's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not by works lest any man should boast. It's through faith alone in Christ alone. There, that's how we're saved. It's not by doing works that we're saved. It's not by keeping ceremonial laws that we're saved. We're saved by trusting Jesus. And when you do that, when you accept him, when you bring him into your heart, ask him into your heart, not only are you forgiven in Christ, but you receive the righteousness of Christ. And you become new. You become a new person in Christ. Not only are you new, but you become a part of a new humanity a new people, a new society. Yeah, we, we're all different in, all, in many different ways, but we're all one because we're united. Jews and the, and the Gentiles, which are recognized, Paul is trying to under, get them to understand this, that you're one. You're together. Christ came to bring peace through the cross. So not only did Jesus come to bring peace with one another, but he came to bring peace with God. Peace with God. You know, in Christ, you are no longer an enemy of God because of your rebellion. In Christ, you are no longer at war with God. In Christ, you are now reconciled. You can say, just like Abraham, I am called a friend of God. Abraham was called a friend of God. That's the best friend you can have. Amen? Friendship. Friendship with God Almighty. Through faith, through faith in Christ, we have friendship with God. Through faith in Christ, we have peace with God. Through faith in Christ, we become members of the body of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 16. We're in verse 16, Ephesians 2. It says, and in this one body, talking about our spiritual body of Christ, we're to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death. Their hostility. But by what you put to death, their hostility. You see, when you're born again, when the, when the Jews and the Gentiles were born again, they both belonged to the body of Christ. They're both one. You know? That's, a, that's, that's a, a, the metaphor that God uses is the body. We talked about that last week. Now, how do you get into the body? Well, we know that you, you, you confess Jesus Christ, but what happens to you spiritually, theologically? What happens is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Now that word baptized literally means to be submerged. Okay, So when a person is baptized into the water, the water can also represent the Holy Spirit. You're submerged into the body of Christ. Just like your body is submerged into that water, you become a part of the body. And isn't it a beautiful uh, uh, imagery here? We're made, all made to drink of the Holy Spirit. All made to drink of the same Spirit. And what does Paul say in Ephesians 2? He says, it's that Spirit that gives you both Jews, Gentiles. You both have access to the Father through the same Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. You have peace with God. Peace with God through the Holy Spirit and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You become a part of his body, the church. Now, the church. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of you. Jesus is here today in the midst of us. We're his body. Now, the thing is, the goal of the church is to make the invisible Christ visible. Uh, to, to let the world see what Jesus looks like, to get a picture of, of Jesus Christ. You know, it wasn't too long ago, back in 2013, that the word selfie first came into existence. Anybody know selfie? <laughs> right? You know, selfies. When you take a picture of yourself, you know, usually in you know, different places, usually a lot of times with other people. What would it be like? <clears throat> what would it be like if Jesus were alive today and active in the world and taking selfies, <laughs> you know what? You know what? The church is Jesus' selfie. The church is Jesus' selfie. We show the world what Jesus looks like. Jesus would be taking a picture of himself with his household, his family, the church, where his self-image of Jesus Christ on display, it'd be like this. Hey, look at this. There's Jesus at Calvary Baptist Church, Christmas basket, food ministry, working, on the, working out there with the food basket. Hey, look at, look, look at over there. Look at that shot. That's Jesus helping a homebound woman, bringing her groceries. Hey, look at this one. Wow, check it out. Jesus. Jesus helping someone who just lost a loved one, giving them comfort. That's Jesus. Get the picture? <laughs> We're Jesus' self. We're the selfie of Jesus Christ. We are to show the world what Jesus looks like. You know, one of the most challenging commands in all of the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And that's the, you know what it tells us to do? It tells us to imitate God. And then it tells us how to imitate God. It says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so here's what, here's what it is. God is saying, he's holding out the, the, the image of Jesus on the cross, and God is saying, I want you to love like that. I want you to imitate my son. I want you to love sacrificially sacrificially. Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross. We need to be willing to make sacrifices in love. You, it might be for you a sacrifice of sacrificing your time as a way of using your time as a way of showing your love. It might be a sacrifice of using your, your, your talents as a way of showing your love. It might be a sacrifice of using your treasures as a means of showing your love. But make the sacrifice. That's what God is commanding us to do. Sacrifice. In love, in love. That's what's, that's what's showing the image of Jesus. That's what's showing the world what Jesus did. Jesus came on a peace mission to bring us peace with God. And so that we could become members of God's household. 
Members of God's household. You know, I got a little ahead of myself, but I think you'll forgive me, right? I skipped over a little bit. I told you. But anyway, that's what we're doing. Members of God's household, verse 18. It says, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Back the tape up. <laughs> that's the spirit. We're, we have access by the spirit. We're part of his household. We're part of his family. We're showing the world what he looks like. So not only, not only are we members of his household, not only are we members of his family, you know, as, as making the sacrifice, as making those sacrifices, we need to show the world God's love and God's peace. We need to minister to a, a world that is in need of ministering to. Show his peace. Show his love. Show what he looks like. And then secondly, not only are, do we, are we members of his household, but we're built as God's holy temple. We're built as God's holy temple. That's another metaphor that Paul is using here, the holy temple of God. He says that we're a holy temple of God. Now, this is not a literal building because the church is the what? The people. Anybody remember that? The church, the people's people. <laughs> right, <laughs> the church is the people, right? So we are all part of that temple, of that holy temple. Look at verse twenty with me, if you would. Twenty and twenty-one, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. You see, we are the temple. We're the temple of God as the people of God. You know, in 2019, the Gallup poll stated this. In the United States, barely three-quarters of the population Claim any type of religious affiliation. Okay? So that means there's one quarter, one quarter who do not. And of that three quarters, only half claim a membership in a, a, a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. So then, you know, you often hear people say more and more today, if you ask them, do you go to church? They'll say, well, I'm spiritual. Huh? But not religious. I think I heard somebody, if you heard that before, I'm spiritual but not religious. Now, how do you answer that? See, people want to have their own spirituality today. They want to form their own spirituality and not be involved in organized religion. We talked about this last week some. Organized religion. So how do you answer that? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that, like we talked about last week, we are built from the verses we just read, 20 and 21 and 22. We are a temple built on a foundation. And that foundation is the apostles and the prophets and those of whom, from whom we have received the word of God. With Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone was a literal... Uh, stone in the corner of the building it was a um, 
large stabilizing stone that, that was the main stone of the foundation. All the walls would line up with the stone. And so, and so the structure, the whole structure would be built upon this cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. We're structured upon him. We're built upon him. We're aligned upon him. Look at verse 21. It says this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. A holy temple. It is organized. Why is it important for the church to be organized? You know, the church, the church is under construction. It's a, it's a work under construction for dynamic growth, and it has been for the last 2,000 years. It's the building that God is constructing, and we get, to, we get the blessing to be part of it. Amen? Why is it important for the church to be organized? Because without organization, there is no peace. We're talking about God. Jesus came to bring us peace through the cross, peace with God. There, listen to this, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not the God of disorder, but of peace. Same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, he says this. He says, he says this. He says that uh, uh, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, both of those verses are referring to the church, the organization of the church, the peace that's to, to reside within the church. The church... The people of God are a holy temple. We, the, church, the organized church is organized religion, but that doesn't mean it's dead religion. Let's look. Verse 1. Verse 1 will tell you about dead. If you want to talk about dead, here it is. Chapter 2, verse 1, Ephesians. For you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and in your sins when you used to live in the following the ways of this world. You were dead. Spiritually. Verse 4. Because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ Jesus. When you were dead, he made you alive. He gave you life. <coughs> he gave you life. That's a little, I got a little asthma there. He gave you life. Jesus died a violent death on the cross. He shed his blood to give us life. To give us life. To give us peace through the cross. Peace with God through the cross. Just like he's that cornerstone and holds everything together as the temple, he will hold everything together in your life if you trust him. If you trust him, he will hold things together and he'll give you his peace. He came to bring you peace through the cross. Peace where there was hostility. Unity where there was division. You know, this world can be a dangerous place. Uh, a lot of hostility. Country music star Travis Twitt, Tritt talked about the hostile crowds. I don't know if we have any country fans. Got country fans here? Hey, oh, a whole bunch. Okay, that's great. Talked about the hostile crowds he used to encounter in the out-of-the-way out of joints, bars, and things he used to play in before he became a... a a well-known music star. And he said that sometimes that fights would break out, that, that, you know, just so easily. 
And if he saw a fight start to break out and start to get out of hand, there's something he would do. There's something unique he would do to keep the peace. He played a song called Silent Night. Silent Night. He says that was, he says that was the uh, uh, lifesaver, all-time lifesaver. He says the bikers would be going for the, the uh, uh, pool sticks. He said the, the rednecks, his term, not mine, rednecks would be going for the, the, uh, uh, the gun rack. You know, and he'd break out with uh, silent night. It could be the middle of July. He'd be sweating. They'd be looking, they'd stop and look and turn. And here he is, you know, sweating on stage, singing a Christmas carol. But it brought peace. <laughs> it brought peace. The sacred song of silent night brought peace to a hostile crowd. God wants us to hear the sacred song he sings over us. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The cross is the sign, the symbol, and the song of God's love. It's on the cross, Jesus' arms are outstretched to welcome all those who would come to embrace all those who would receive him. Bring your brokenness to him. He'll bring you peace. Jesus came to bring peace through the cross. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you paid it all, that you went to the cross to show us how to love you went to the cross to bring us peace. Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors for you, to show the world what you look like, to minister your peace and your love to those around us. Thank you for the mind of humility, your mind of humility, Lord, that brings unity. And help us to have your mind, Lord, in all that we do, to humbly, humbly serve you. As your servants, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. We're going to.